Good morning. It's good to see you here to join us for this art exhibit kind of morning. It's raised my level of consciousness and sophistication tremendously. Um, I, I just don't really live here, but I've really enjoyed it. And I, I appreciate <laughs> I really appreciate the, the gifting that God's provided in the congregation, just the stuff we've enjoyed here on the stage. The artwork is tremendous. And our hope was that we could, you know, pull the work of some of the artists of the congregation together to help communicate the message that we're going to be looking at in terms of relationships. This idea began several months ago, and Ian Dale and has been working uh, on pulling this together. He's been the point person, at least, and a lot of people had to work and contribute, and I really appreciate it. Let's give them a hand for <clears throat> And Jill Sandoval and the special events team really, really appreciate her, her work on this as usual. Let's, let's thank them. But, you know, thanks to God for letting us enjoy one another and um, being a part of this congregation that we, that he's put together and um, really grateful for what he's done and look forward to him continuing to build and grow us. We're looking to today at how love ties us together, how it is a core virtue that we need. We're going to be digging out of Colossians 3, the virtues that we need to put on. Um, there's, a, there's an art to relationships, to really good relationships. Now, when things go wrong, they default into contractual agreements. I mean, they can. I I personally don't like that, but then it's sort of like government regulations. You know, there's conflict, there's problems. You can easily default into, um, all right, now what's the rules here? What's the deal? It's, you know, you do your part, I'll do my part. And it, that's, that's a real drag. That is, that is really no fun um, when it does that. Uh, building a relationship on ob- obligation kills. There are boundaries. There's commitments. There are things involved. But in this series, we're going to look into the Bible and dig out some some things that God shows us there that should help us to develop the right style in our relationships, that will help us have lasting relationships that are enjoyable to the max, that really we can enjoy. Um, you know, I'm, I'm at best a paint-by-numbers artist, and I, I really... I'm that kind of that way in life. I need I need somebody to help me connect the dots between what's going on in my relationships and what God wants and who God is and how that connects. Scripture does that for us. So we're going to dig in and begin to try to connect some of these dots as to how we can really enjoy one another and move forward in relationships in a way that pleases God and brings him honor. Colossians 3, 12 through 15. This is the main passage that we're going to pull these virtues out of. And as we go through the next several weeks, we're going to look at some verses before and after and gain some, some insight from them as well. It says, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, here are the virtues, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other. And forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect uh, uh, harmony or unity. 
Um, love is the core virtue that lays the foundation for lasting relationships. Verse 14 said, above all, this is another translation, clothe yourselves with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. This is the core, this, this certain kind of love. In the Greek language, which the New Testament was originally written in, there, there are different words for different kinds of love. Let's look at those words. The first one is eros. It's an erotic sexual love that is based on common desire or attraction. Two people are attracted. And this kind of love comes and goes. You can fall into it. You fall out of it. Um, another kind of love, another word for love is philia. It's where we get the word Philadelphia. Um, it's a friendship-based love where you get together and you find out you have common interests, common way of looking at things, and it bonds you. You, you become instant friends with people as you find this kind of love. Storge is another Greek word for love. It's based on affection or, or affinity. It, it has to do with we're, we grew up together. We've known each other since kindergarten. We're in, you know, we're, we're, we have a common history and a lot of shared experiences that we draw from. And, and those kind of loves are, they, they make, they make life beautiful. They fill in the picture. They're, they're, they, they really add a lot to life. But, they only go so far when the conflict and the trouble starts. And it does because of the way we are. Um, they tend to wear like vinyl, not, not like leather. You know, vinyl is something that's manufactured. gets cracks in it over time. Leather lasts and wears well. And vinyl is something that you can manufacture. But the real kind of love that we need is not something that we can work up on our own power. So... As we walk through these passages, we're going to look at God's love, God's kind of love. And this is the love. Whenever we're commanded to love in the New Testament, this is the kind of love we're commanded to live. It's agape love, a selfless love based on principle. It's based on doing what's best for the other person, regardless of your feelings at a given moment. This is the way God's loved us. We can count on that kind of love. And in a relationship that's based on this kind of love, there's a foundation. It strengthens and supports the other kinds of love and allows relationships to grow. As you dig into Scripture, you find out that agape love wears the clothes of sacrifice and service. John 15, 13, or 12 and 13, Jesus is talking here. He says, this is my commandment. Love each other in the same way I have loved you. There is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. There is no better love, no greater love than to sacrifice your life. Of course, Jesus set the pace in that. And this is what's involved in this agape kind of love. Just, just when you're about ready to take a nap, you know, Sunday afternoon, you finally get there. For me, I turn on the golf, you know, channel or whatever, wherever the golf is, puts me to sleep. And, uh, you know, you're just about to nod off, and all of a sudden, a need coach shows up. Somebody needs some help in the house. Somebody calls, you got to go, you know, or you don't have to, but there's a need. You have a choice. Do I continue my nap, or do I go? I, do I give up my nap? Do I give up my comfort here and go? That's the kind of thing that 
agape love does. You know, you have your day planned. You got the family. You guys are going to spend some time together. You've got your idea of how it's going to go, and then you find out, uh oh, they've got their idea. Oh no, am I going to give up my idea or go with their idea or what? That this is where the rubber meets the road. This is this is how relationships are lived out. You know, you just at just at the time you're finishing your project, a coworker needs some help. Hmm. Am I going to go on break or am I going to take the time to really sacrifice for them to help meet their needs? Philippians 2, 3 through 7 is, is a great passage that describes this kind of love. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. Your attitude should be the same as that of Jesus Christ, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. Agape love basically looks at the needs and interests of the people around and sets out to serve, to meet those needs, to humbly serve, to meet those needs. This is what God did in the person of Jesus Christ for us. He set the pace. He's a pace setter here. This kind of love is it makes relationships last it's the foundation on which all good relationships are built. If you think about it, what makes a relationship good? I'm, I'm helping you, I'm serving you, I'm taking care of you, and you're doing the same for me. There's a, a mutual benefit here in this relationship. This is what we work toward, we move toward. This is what we want to see in our relationships. Now, when things are broken and torn in relationships, um, Love goes ahead and makes the hard choices to do what's necessary to put it back together. And it's, it's tough. You know, when maybe one person's serving and sacrificing and the other person isn't, there may need to be some choices made, some relationships have to be dealt with and repaired. But love pushes through to do that if it can be done. It does whatever it can to serve and to sacrifice for the good of the other people, for the good of the relationship, and to fulfill God's purposes in the world. That, that's, a, that's a tall order to love this way. How, how can we do that? How do we love people with this kind of love? Um, God, God really wants to help us. We need his help to love this way. He, he wants to help us to develop the right style in our relationships. And as you go through the passages, the verses right before the one we just read, in Colossians 3, verses 9 through 12, 5 through 9, verses 5 through 9, lists some things that you need to put off. The picture here is that we're, we're changing clothes. We're getting a new style. And we're putting off some old ways, some old habits, our old self, it says, and then we're putting on a new self. And so we pick up the thought here. It says, since you have taken off your old self with its practices, its habits, and you've put on the new self, it's like taking off a dirty shirt and replacing it with a clean one, but then style. We decided to change clothes. The scripture says the, the way this is written in the Greek language, which is the original that the language this was written in, is that this is something that happened in the past. So this is what you've decided to do when you commit your life to Christ, when you come to the point where you finally say, okay, God, I'm tired of going my own way. I've been, Scripture says every one of us 
naturally sin. We, we rebel against God. We, we go our own way. We don't do life his way. Well, when, when you become a Christian, you turn around from going your own way. That's, that's what repentance is. And you decide to go God's way. At that moment, this passage is saying you've put off the old self and you're putting on a new self. You're, you're changing clothes is the idea here. So that's, that's what happened. But the reality is, and it's explained here in, in the way it's written, is that we've got to, we tend to slip into the old clothes. And so we've got to keep being renewed in the knowledge of the new stuff. So it says, uh, we, we put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. So this is a continual renewal that goes on. That's the, that's the way this is written in the language, the Greek language, is that it's, it's constantly happened. Circle the phrase renewed in knowledge if you're taking notes. We have to be renewed because we keep wanting to slip back into the old clothes. And it's, it's getting the right understanding of who God is and the way he looks at life that really helps us to make the changes, to keep the right clothes, clothes on. When, when, I met, when I met Cindy, I had a favorite outfit, my wife Cindy. When we met, my favorite outfit was rust Levi cords and a red and white checkered shirt. And it had two little feet here. It was a hang ten shirt. I thought that was cool. Um, it clashed horribly. I didn't realize that. I'm not, I, you know, I don't know. I just, the reason I, I like those clothes is because of the little hang ten feet. And they were comfortable. I don't understand this, but you can buy two shirts, same size, same people making the shirt, and one of them fits better than the other. Well, that's why I like this outfit. So I wore it a lot. Rust, red and white. It looked like I'd been to an Italian restaurant, ripped the tablecloth off the restaurant, had my mom make a shirt. I mean, that's really what it looked like. And one of Cindy's first goals was to try to get me to quit wearing that outfit. And I'm sure I didn't quit in time. But, you know, my wearing those clothes, it was not about style. It was about comfort. I love those. I love those pants and that shirt. And that's what happens. We slip back into our old ways because it's so comfortable. It is, it is just really comfortable. Those old nasty habits that ruin relationships, they could be comfortable. But God wants to motivate us to change them. And so that's the picture here. We're continually needing to grow in our knowledge of him so that we can make the changes that he wants us to make. You know, change doesn't come from a direct focus on your behavior. I've, I've found this. I, for a while, I was very intent on pleasing God and doing what God wanted. And I don't know, it came alive to me. I was reading the scripture one time. This is back, I was about 18 or 19 when I just started college. It came alive that, you know, we're to do the word. We can't just read it and hear it. We've got to live it. And so, and that is true. And I still aim to do that. And so I would read the, a passage in the morning and I would make little check boxes. And I write, okay, this is what I need to do. Then I'd add another checkbox. Okay, this is what I need to do now. Okay. Boy, I got to the point where I didn't want to read the Bible anymore because I had so many check boxes. 
And then I, you know, I, I like, oh, I don't want to read another paragraph because it's just going to add to my list. And man, that is no fun. This is really no fun. When I try, I found that that's not how growth happens. That's not how the change, the new set of clothes happens. The way it happens is I need to rely on God. And as, as I get into the scripture, what he does is he shows me a stain on my shirt. He says, you know, you need to change that shirt. And, and so I say, God, you're right. Boy, what I said, what I did, that was wrong. Will you forgive me? Thank you for your forgiveness. And I change clothes right there. And then I read again. He speaks to my heart about something else. God, you're right. That is exactly right. Or he'll say, you know, I don't care if it has a little feet on it or not. That shirt is out of style. <laughs> That's the old way. Oh, God, you're right. i got to change that shirt. And then over time, God begins to make me a different person in the way that I relate. Boy, when I try, I fail. But when I rely on God to work in me and work with him and allow him to change the way I am, the way I think and rework my heart, when I admit, God, you are right. You made me. You know how it works. You made us. You want us to have relationships that really flow well and we enjoy. Help me to figure that out. Help me to learn how to do it. Boy, life is different. The passage goes on. It talks about things that separate people. There's no Greek. In Christ, there is no Greek or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised. These are things that divide people. Barbarian, Scythian, slave or free. But Christ is all and he's in all. He's in us to help us to change and to be different people. And as we'll cooperate with him, we can clothe ourselves with those virtues. We're going to be looking at the next several weeks at how God motivates us to live with this new style, to put on the right style in our relationships. There are three practical motivators that we're going to look at real quick briefly as we wrap up here that help uh, let the peace the first thing we do that motivates us is the peace of christ it, it's to rule in our hearts he comes to live in it christ is in all he comes to live in us and the holy spirit himself and the peace of christ basically the word rule in this passage here verse 15 says let the peace of christ rule in your hearts since as members of one body you were called to peace And be thankful. That word rule literally means to be a judge at like an Olympic Games or to be a referee or an umpire. And so this peace of Christ is to blow the whistle on us in relationships and to call the shots. And God really helps with this as you as you begin to to walk with him. And as you continue to walk with him, he helps you to see when things are wrong and when things need to be changed. And we can cooperate with him to do that. Then it says, be thankful. And that's a theme in these last three verses that we're going to look at this morning. Gratitude helps you get past the irritation. Look at the big picture. Thank God for the person. If there's conflict, struggle, thank God for the good stuff about them. Thank him for 
the the things that you appreciate about them. That that's a that really helps in your approach to the person. Second thing is let the word of Christ dwell in you. Verse 16, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another in all wisdom. And as you sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God. There, there it is again, that gratitude. This is how our mind is renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. We let the word of Christ sink in. We let it dwell. The word, the word dwell actually means to make its home in us, to feel at home in, in our hearts. So we, we let the word dwell in us. And, you know, you may need to make a checkbox here and there, but that's not the idea. You let it soak in and change the way you think. You see, your heart's being changed by the peace of Christ. Your mind is being shifted and your perspective is being changed by the word of Christ. And then it shows up in the way you treat people. Live in the name of Christ. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. We want to reflect well on the one whose name we bear. We want to make him look good. If you've decided to follow Christ, you bear his name. And there's this desire to please him and to make him look good. So over the next several weeks, we're going to be looking at the specific virtues to wear that make relationships last and how God wants to help us to continue to make these changes that bring the maximum enjoyment in our relationships. Let's, let's go to the Lord and ask for his help in this. Father, we thank you for your truth and your word. And thank you for the help that you give. Father, we can know you more and more every day. Understand more about who you are, how you think, and what, what's important to you. And that, that allows us, God, to... Um, actually live out the change that's taken place when we commit our life to you. We, we can put on this new style because of the power you give to do it. So, Father, as we have heard you this morning as you've spoken to us through your word, give us help in applying it. Help us to love with agape love. Help us to serve and to sacrifice and to, to put on the new style that you want us to live that really bless the people around us and make life enjoyable. God, we ask for your help in this and I pray as we go through the rest of this series that you'd give help as well so that we could begin more and more to put on your nature that will really bring honor and glory to you and the best kind of life to us. We ask for your help in this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.